Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. Is it me you're looking for? It is, Kevin. It is you. 2024's The Greatest Night in Pop is a documentary about the making of the iconic 80s charity single, We Are the World, as told by the people who put it together. If by the people who put it together, you mean Lionel Richie. (laughs) There comes a time, Michael, when you heed a certain call to watch this movie. So that's just what we did. We did it. We just went for it. And a kid rides by on a skateboard. (laughs) Yeah. Good good eye, Kevin. (laughs) uh, This movie came out this week. So we're we're unusually timely, and uh, I was watching it just because I thought it would be interesting. I've I've always been interested in the "We Are the World" single. I don't think it's a particularly good song, but I think the whole making behind it is super interesting. It's pretty fascinating. And to get it out of the way, there's an establishing shot early in the film of an LA street in a silhouette of a kid on a fucking skateboard. So I was like, it counts. <laughs> That it's that's that is more skateboarding than some of the other movies that we've covered. So it's it counts by me. But it 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 leads me to the thing that I always get obsessed over with stuff like that is like, who was that kid, and where is he now, and what's going on with that guy? Was that (laughs) shot in the eighties or was that shot now to make it look like the eighties? No, I think that was definitely the eighties. I think it certainly had a a look about it. Um, The board was like era appropriate. Yeah, just some kid chilling in like what is that Hollywood, just skating down the street. It's crazy. Our uh, our friend Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast posited that the individual on the skateboard could be Waylon Jennings, hightailing it away from the recording. It's that's entirely possible. We may never know. <laughs> we 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 may never know. <laughs> now. What I find interesting about We Are the World is like as a comic book fan growing up, We Are the World was, you know, as a little kid watching it, was like Marvel superheroes Secret Wars. It was just all of the heroes are together in one book and suddenly Spider-Man and the X-Men and the Hulk and the Avengers and the Fantastic Four are all mixing it up together. Who gets along and who doesn't? And We Are the World is like the American musical version of that. I know it was predated a year before by the uh, Christmas charity single, Do They Know It's Christmas, uh, written by Bob Geldof, and that's UK pop stars. That's yes. your your Stings and your Pauls McCartney and, of course, Bono, who has the most unforgettable <laughs> moment in that song when he uh, Beautiful. shouts, Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. That just does not sit right, man. <laughs> like I, I understand the spirit in which it's sung, but what (laughs) do they know christmas has aged very poorly like uh, there won't be snow in africa this christmas like africa is an enormous continent with mountains that are absolutely covered with snow sometimes um (laughs) like it it, it, you know it's the best of intentions and sort of muddled uh, execution whereas we are the world i feel is um roughly the same amount of whatever as it was in the 80s i don't think it's a particularly great song but you know as uh bruce springsteen points out near the end of the documentary it doesn't need to be yeah it it just needs to be a big song with a lot of voices he was like as a tool to raise awareness it was unbelievably successful and so 
you know, looking at it through that lens, uh, I, I can't fault We Are the World. It's a super interesting video. Uh, and what I like about this documentary is that the documentary functions as a procedural where it gets yeah. into like, like what is interesting is how did we make this happen? How did we get all of these enormous stars who are overscheduled to come together for one night in person to record this dumb song? It really is amazing. It's like it, it all unfolds within like a couple of weeks. They write it like nine days before the before the and Lionel Richie was hosting the American Music Awards, performed twice and won like six American Music Awards and then just went down the street to the studio. It's crazy. And it really is a fucking murderer's row of everybody. It's amazing. And it, I found it interesting, like getting it together, how they had to get everyone. Who could they get? You know, obviously the big omissions are Prince and Madonna. And you can tell they, they yeah. really wanted Prince. Oh, yeah. They they kind of, they did Sheila E a little dirty there, telling her she was going to sing a chorus. But then all of a sudden it was like, is, is think, you think Prince is going to show In up? In hopes of Prince showing up and Prince, you know, kind of uh, being difficult. Yeah. As he's wont to do and saying like, well, what if I played a guitar solo in a room separate from everyone else? Um, yeah, that's not what this is about, Prince. Then you, if you could have on the song, if you could have had Jacko and Prince singing side by side in 1984, that would have been a moment. That would have been the the, the death blow. It would have, it would, there would be no more hunger in the world. <laughs> the other one I found interesting was Madonna, who they talk about being discussed because uh, I guess this was the time of Material Girl, like a virgin. So she was a big deal. But she wasn't yeah. at that point. I don't think it was a given that she was going to be one of like the iconic 80s pop stars, which she absolutely is. Um, right. And how they're like, well, you know, we wanted Madonna or Cyndi Lauper and some of us lobbied for Madonna and some of us lobbied for Cyndi Lauper. And I'm like, you couldn't have both. Fucking Dan Aykroyd was there. <laughs> the saxophonist from Huey Lewis in the news made the cut. <laughs> Fucking Oates is there. You can't get you can't make room for Madonna and Cindy Lauper. Lauper, right? Exactly. I also love I love they're they're trying to get this whole thing together. They're at the American Music Awards. Can you imagine Cindy Lauper's boyfriend is like, I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like a hit. Like, what? why don't you go fuck yourself? What are you talking about? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Listen up, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson. I know what a hit song is. <laughs> I'm, you, you two do not. I'm Cindy Lauper's boyfriend, okay? So... <laughs> I love that. Now, granted, Cindy Lauper steals the song from everyone else. Yeah. Like, she has yeah. the best moment of anyone in that song so yeah she rips it up if you had to have one i guess they they went with the right call because i don't know if madonna would have put herself out there like that but again i think having like madonna into cindy lopper would have been really cool you know I, I know they called up huey lewis from the minors yes pinch it for prince when we it, need you huey <laughs> when it became clear that prince was not going to show up and they're like who can we get huey lewis which is also a good call huey lewis is a delight He's happy to be there. <laughs> He's one of the voices of the eighties. Can we can we just talk about how they that 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 killer line that that 
uh, Paul uh, Paul Simon said, where if I get who did he turn to and he said, "Holy shit! If somebody dropped a bomb on this building, John Denver would be back on top." That's a, that is a killer killer oh. funny line. That's fucking yeah. <laughs> that, that, to me, that was the greatest moment of the whole thing. I was like, "Oh man." You know he 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 he, he, cro- he got one right through the fucking right across home plate. <laughs> you know you <laughs> know what like, I bet happened. Like, I bet uh, Paul Simon thought of that line, just kind of wandered around the room and said it to everyone. Yeah, yeah he said it to a few people just to make sure everybody caught it. <laughs> yes, just to be like you know, <laughs> you know, right? Everyone's right. Like, mm. Chili's like, yeah, I just heard you say that to Bob Dylan. He's like, well, I just. <laughs> I, uh, it did make me imagine poor John Denver maybe like sitting by the phone being like, no one's going to call me. I heard Ackroyd was in. I mean, Ackroyd, they got to call me if Ackroyd is in. <laughs> I had read, and this does this isn't in the documentary, but I had read that Ackroyd uh, went to a meeting where he thought it was a money manager and it was an actual manager. And he was like, oh, I don't need an actual manager. And it was sort of like, everyone was embarrassed and it was one of the people working on we on the world. And so to save face, they're like, do you want to come to this? <laughs> He's like, all right, I guess I'll show up. And <laughs> I was a blues brother. He was a blues brother. It's true. He does have a performance background. Uh, especially um, like that. Yeah. That's how you get to rep Canada. In this North American charity <laughs> single, Brian Adams unavailable. Brian Adams not not in the building. Dan Aykroyd in the house. Dude from the tragically hip can't make it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, Dan Aykroyd had a harmonica in his like in his in his coat pocket. It's like maybe they'll ask me to maybe they'll ask me to blow a little harmonica on him, but no, it never came up. He's got a briefcase uh, handcuffed <laughs> to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's the that's the visual I should have gone with, Kevin. I'm sorry, that was fucking amateur, and you set me straight. And I apologize to you and our listening audience. <laughs> oh man, especially uh, because like you look at the video because it's amazing how they shot the video while they were recording the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you and you look at the video, and Ackroyd is um, not dressed in American Music Awards finest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> looks like a middle school band teacher. <laughs> it's like wearing like a like an army coat or something like i don't know i also think that the 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 waves of discomfort coming off of bob dylan for the entire <laughs> the entire like he's not he's probably not he's like not really singing most of the stuff and he's just kind of like uh what the fuck am i doing here <laughs> yeah that's it because dylan uh, with a lot of these people there in some ways peers yes um you know like uh michael jackson and lionel richie or, you know, kind of peers. So they're also in the pop form. And I feel like Dylan was off in his own thing. Dylan, yes. Dylan was never like a pop star in Certainly traditional not. sense, but he's right. what, he's an important American artist. So I can absolutely understand why they tried to get him. And, but I, you get the sense that Dylan's sort of like, was this a good idea? Right. Well, doesn't he does have like a solo line or two. He doesn't does. He? They put him, yeah, yeah. And he kind of didn't know what to do with it. And I like that it did seem like the one person in that room that everyone sort of agreed was the genius there was Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Which fair. Um, because Stevie Wonder's the one who Bob Dylan went to and was like, How do I how do I do this? And like then you see Stevie Wonder kind of doing a Bob Dylan impersonation. He's like, Yeah, do it like this, Bob. And <laughs> 
<laughs> I also love that Stevie didn't show up until he was like, we ready to write the song. And they were like, we, we wrote the song a week and a half ago, Stevie, we're, we're fucking well beyond that. I love like, that. Oh. I love that <laughs> Lionel tried to get Stevie to write the song with him and Stevie just wouldn't get back to him. Yeah. Just um, like, and then showed up and said, I'm ready to write the song. Uh, if I, if I may be permitted a, uh, a personal aside to you, Michael, it uh, sort of cemented why our good friend Noah Hayslip is such a Stevie Wonder fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, that is that is true. That is some very Noah through the Stevie Wonder lens energy. Like, I, I'm I'm here, dude. The party ended forty five minutes, ago. and then like, they're recording the song. They have like one night to do this complicated song with like. <laughs> 17 lead vocal parts and Stevie Wonder suddenly making suggestions and be like, what yeah. if we added a verse in Swahili? <laughs> and you can tell from like, even today that Lionel Richie's like, Stevie came so close to fucking this up for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think once once they got into changing the song, nothing, no, no work was going to get done. That was the end of it. I, I when it was like Smokey Robinson was like, are you fucking kidding me? No, <laughs> I'm Smokey Robinson. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, Waylon Jennings uh, probably did not acquit himself very well by storming out at that moment. Yes. Because he was not going to sing in Swahili. He wasn't going to do it. Didn't care how many worlds he fed. Um, <laughs> well, I think it was Geldof who kind of came out and was, who's, you know, uh, Bob Geldof is not nearly the genius that almost anyone in that room was, but Bob Geldof is probably the best at charity rock stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, he's the, He was the one who had his, he had those irons in the fire, I guess. Yeah, and <laughs> Live Aid. And the, yeah. So, and he kind of said like, we got to do this. And perhaps we shouldn't be singing to the people there. We got to sing to the people with the money here. <laughs> here, yes. Exactly. Yeah, that was... I can't, I can't even imagine like when they were talking about just the logistics of it, just like how, you know, you get that many people. I, I really was interested in the idea. It was like we, we, all of their handlers and their agents and all their entourage, like weren't allowed in the room. And it really, it was really interesting to watch them all kind of like, uh, usually I'm the most famous person in any given room. And, and yeah, it, it, it was cool to see that, that, that almost like the, the, the veneer kind of come down and they, they were all kind of awkward and kind of shuffling around. I thought that was funny. Which is like clearly why Prince didn't go because yeah. as they showed earlier, Prince couldn't even walk onto the stage of the American Music Awards after he won an award without his bodyguard shadowing him. Amazing. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Oh man, I fucking love Prince. but I do too. But settle that. He, Prince was not unwilling to check his ego at the door. Apparently. He wasn't. He was like, look, I got, wait, look, I got like, some of the ego is in a, another car behind us and I can't, we, we can't, I can't, uh, I can't let it go. <laughs> I was super impressed with Quincy Jones in this. I mean, I knew Quincy yeah. Jones was phenomenal, but seeing him kind of lord over that chaos and figure out how to get this fucking done in a night yeah. was super interesting. The, the guy who Quincy Jones brought in is kind of the vocal arranger who had to figure out without having anyone there, like whose voices would blend together well and in what order they should go. Yeah. Um, and it all worked. Like, it really is amazing that they fucking did that in one night. Like, it's a serviceable song. Um, yeah. Yeah. They get, yeah. you know, and uh, even like having sort of at the end, having like counterpoint, like Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen against each other. I was like, it works because. Yeah. Springsteen also like no one I'm I'm 
I think a much bigger Bruce Springsteen fan than you are, but people don't generally listen to Bruce Springsteen for his dulcet tones. Yes. Like, right. Like some people are there because they're phenomenal singers. Springsteen uh, it was pop is popular for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but he gave a gravitas to the whole thing, right? You know, yeah, you had him and Dylan there. And like in the eighties, uh, you know, Springsteen was, as he says in the documentary, he's like, we're having a good run. Like, you know, that mid eighties Springsteen stuff where yeah. born in the USA had a ton of top 10 hits on it, like the glory days and dancing in the dark. And yeah. So that like, like that was the height of like Springsteen as mainstream pop star. And, you know, Taylor Swift aside, I don't know if we have those like juggernaut pop stars these days. Like we did in the mid eighties, like Prince and Michael Jackson and Springsteen. I certainly can't name that many <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Besides T-Swift. I also thought the moment that they started singing Daylight Come and We Want We Want to Go Home by by uh, Harry Belafonte. Uh, by Harry Belafonte was, that was actually a really sweet moment. I was like, that that was fucking great. Like, Yeah, they, they figured out yeah. how to loosen up the room. Uh, yeah, it yeah was, they loosened up. It was uh, super interesting seeing uh, Al Jarreau get very drunk. On camera, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and almost fuck up the song that way. I think then they might have had to call in Madonna to sub for Al Jarreau. Thank, thank goodness, because then we might not have had the moonlighting theme if if he if he if he ruined his reputation there. So I thought this was this was a super fun watch. The archival footage is amazing. It um, really is. It did a good job of sort of like, like you know, the song comes together and it's a big hit. But kind of doing it, it reminded me of like Ocean's Eleven or something of like right. how we pulled how we pulled the heist off, um, right? And obviously, like some people aren't with us anymore, and uh, I don't want to get into the metric shit ton of baggage that Michael Jackson has with him. Sure, but obviously there was no one, there was no one bigger in the eighties than Michael Jackson when Thriller was right. out. Um, so it, it, I do wish they had a few more people to tell the story to show, but right. you know, I think they did well with what they had. I mean, I've, obviously like Lionel Richie's the spine of it, but Lionel Richie was one of the driving forces, you know, Harry, Harry Belafonte is not with us anymore. And, uh, one gets the sense that Quincy Jones was not willing to go on camera. He does some right. boy stuff. Um, yeah. you know, it was nice that Springsteen gave some reminiscences and Cindy Lauper and, you know, Sheila, he had a super interesting perspective because she walked out when she realized they were using her to get prints. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was interesting to me. I mean, she's in the whole thing. She's, was she's in the video singing the chorus, but yeah. Um, but, you know, you'd kind of wish they would get like a couple more people like why isn't Dan Aykroyd in there explaining why he was there? I <laughs> yeah, would have like, I would have so, liked a clip of Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah. So, Dan, why were you there? I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> still figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, It's fine. I don't know. They told me to be there. I went. <laughs> I was a Ghostbuster, and that was a very popular film. <laughs> they had invited Ray Parker Jr., and our invitations got mixed up in the mail, and I showed up instead of him. <laughs> that's actually that. That's that's fantastic. I I don't know. It's it said Ray. I played Ray in the movie, but Ray Parker Jr. was a singer. It was all a big kerfuffle. And by that point, anyway. the train had left the station, and they're like, "You're in, Ackroyd." Yeah. I'm here. The, the door closed behind me. What am I going to do? I, I remember it made me remember that in a elementary school talent show. And this is one of those weird bummers where my memory as an older gentleman is starting to fail me a little bit. 
But I remember that the big closing act in the in the talent show was the entire sixth grade class uh, did a lip sync to the song We Are the World. And I remember and I it bums me out because I wish I could remember the kid's name. But the kid who did Bob Dylan <laughs> leaning in and doing the Dylan part and every single kid in the audience being like, who's that guy supposed to be? Like nobody knew who Bob Dylan was. And you're like, well, who is that guy? But he sold it. Yeah. And if I could remember his name, it would, uh, it would, it would be a much uh, more interesting memory than me wishing I could remember his name, but whoever you were, you sold me as Dylan. You, you had me. Elementary school kids in the eighties, generally not enormously up on the Bob Dylan. It's show. true. And it's true. in the eighties, uh, uh, as also someone who's, who's a Bob Dylan fan, not Dylan. Dylan was not on a high point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dylan was was that that was the endless tour. I'm a weird, I'm like a Christian era. That was now. his <laughs> that was his born again phase. Yeah, yeah. So like it's not not his best work. I mean, that's not even Lay Lady Lay era Dylan. That's that's, that's like that's, no. that's, a, that's a dark period. It's not like you know. I like Rolling Thunder review Dylan. The Blood on the Tracks is really a really good album. It um, sure is. But his his mid eighties Christian stuff is sort of. I would say that's like the least good Bob Dylan stuff. And the, it's not that there's nothing in there to recommend it, but if someone were to come to me and say, "I think I'm going to buy a Bob Dylan album for my." vinyl collection what should i get you know I, i'm not i've got two words planet waves yeah. <laughs> no i don't i don't know man. that's that's actually from much earlier but that's only from much earlier yeah i was gonna say uh, <laughs> like stay away from like oh mercy uh i would not recommend one of his mid-80s christian albums maybe that maybe the faults on me i would say get the we are the world's yeah, that's the best get that song and you'll get the live version of trapped by bruce springsteen in the e street band which was all over the radio then that's true uh but yeah um did you know michael that if you go see lionel richie in concert to this day he encores with we are the world he does just, just him huh i i did not know that which it was on the one hand like he co-wrote the song so fair but on the other hand it's like it's a little weird. Yeah, that's a little. It's a little. Weird. It's like what? What? What are the encore numbers like? Brick House, and then We Are the World. Like, what, how does that work? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just We Are the World. Like, maybe, maybe it closes with All Night Long, and then comes well, back that out. Would be, and... That would be the one, right? You've got the musical mind, Kevin. And then, you know, the that weird keyboard thing comes, and maybe there's the audience. Are the we are the world chorus? Oh, As we are the together. world. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, know. now, now, you know what? I, again, even in in a hypothetical sense, Kevin, you've sold me on we are the world as as is because the audience is now they're the stars, and I I would eat that shit right up. I think we should go see Lionel Richie. Is is what I'm saying? I agree. Uh, I don't know why Lindsey Buckingham was there, but not Stevie Nicks, <laughs> because while I think Lindsey Buckingham like was maybe the genius of Fleetwood Mac. Um, Stevie Nicks was the star. Sure. And had that voice, that smoky voice, Kevin. Oh, she in the, she could have twirled around. Like, I would have had her there instead of fucking Kim Carnes. <laughs> I, I kept thinking about Kim Carnes. I'd be like, oh, Kim. 
Like that was that was your moment. That was yeah. like you you were never in a, in another room like that for the rest of your career. That was it. <laughs> she somehow managed to hit Plinko at the exact right time. <laughs> exactly right. Like three weeks earlier on e- or e- three weeks on either side, Kim yeah. Carnes not in that room. <laughs> They're getting Stevie Nicks in. Uh, and all her shawls and fringed leather jackets so many shawls and then check your fringed leather jackets at the door (laughs) the door Uh, (laughs) anywho i uh i was super uh fascinated by this documentary and recommend it it's on netflix yeah it's like the titanic you know how it ends no more world hunger Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about Hands Across America. <laughs> how, how did that turn out? <laughs> not as good. Yeah, not as good. Jacko was pissed. He wanted it. Well, you know, he wanted uh, he wanted them to use "We Are the World." Oh, I didn't know. Oh, that's right. We yeah. wrote a new yeah. Hands Across America song, which you know <laughs> did not have all of the fucking jabronis that "We Are the World" did. So it certainly didn't.